Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as comms and social media, public health, blogger, podcaster, eating more plants, loves food, wine, books, travel, kill care, Sean www.cooks-notebook.com Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Mel Kettle. Thanks. Hi, Steve. Hello, Mel. To start with, please, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Normally, I just go up and say, hi, I'm Mel Kettle. And if it's someone who knows me, I might just say, hi, I'm Mel. Mm -hmm. But normally, I just give my whole name. When you're doing those introductions, the higher milk kettle, is that because you're in a setting where uh, you know people are, may know you as you know in that context, or it's just no, it's I'm being professionally nice and that's all wonderful. A little bit of both. Mm. Um, I'm quite active on Twitter, and so often I'll be at events where people will know me from Twitter, but mm. not personally. So I give my whole name, but normally it's just professional. When I first started going to networking events, my boss way back said to me, always introduce yourself by your whole name so people know who you are. And I just, that just stuck. Yeah. Reminds me of, uh, this is now a pointless part of the conversation, reminds me of a movie where um, uh, the main character is walking around just introducing himself, just using his name. That's all he says. <laughs> this is my name. Or well, like John, John, John. Yeah, I know, let's say it's... Um, for lack of a better, John Birmingham. Oh, okay. She's like, John Birmingham. <laughs> John Birmingham. Doesn't say anything else, just his name multiple, multiple times. Speaking I, of John Birmingham, I met him last week for the first time. Yes, We've and how was it? Chatting on Twitter forever. It was great. I went to his book launch for his new book. Excellent. Which I cackled my way through. Yes. <laughs> and um, thought I have to go so I can finally meet the man. And He's yeah, a legend. It he was really great. is. Yeah. Not only... Uh, an incredible writer, but just a really wonderful, nice guy. Yeah. Despite what he tries to portray and project. Exactly. As yeah. his yeah. public image. Mm-hmm. He still owes me those freaking custard tarts. Oh, yum. Uh, yeah. Yum. Um, I, have a, I have a question about your bio. Okay. Which is off script, but I'll go with it. Now, you have said in this that you love a lot of things. I do. Is that list in priority order? <laughs> no. Because your partner might feel very left out. At least he made the list. <laughs> There's one I use that bio or a variation of it in a lot of things, mm. and in it, something else where there's more characters. Mm. I do say not always in this order. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that is the curse, isn't it? That you still uh, need to compress your Twitter yeah. bio down yeah. to it's 140, I think, as well, isn't yeah. it? It's a short uh, amount. Uh, it's 160 for a Twitter oh, bio, yeah. but not much, which is not much. How would you reorder it so that it was in priority? Can I have a look at it? Because I can't remember the order that I have. This is one of those rare (laughs) face-to-face apps where I can hand you the piece of paper. Um, I would probably say, I'd have to say Sean first. Um, He's not listening. Don't appease him. It was our anniversary yesterday. You know, I'm still feeling sweet. Sure. (laughs) Um, I'd probably say uh, food, kill care, travel, books and wine. Mm-hmm. And Sean will be first. I think that wine has taken a fairly serious hit. Yeah, it has. Because I drink a lot less than I used to. I still love and appreciate it, mm. but I drink. I try only to have about 
I don't know, I try only to drink maybe two or three nights a week at the absolute most and one if I can manage it compared to drinking a bottle a day, which is what I was drinking for a while there mm-hmm. many years ago when I was organising that conference that, I told <laughs> that you we were about talking before. about just before the podcast. <laughs> Look, in, in that context, I can understand at least a bottle a day. Was the decision to cut that down... Uh, thrust upon you was it a, a medical thing or you just went oh no I need to deal with this I just woke up one day and went I'm sick of waking up feeling exhausted and like mm. shit and um and I'm just you know as I get older I just think I need to place more emphasis on my health because mm. I'm noticing that you know I've gained a lot of weight lately I came off the pill last year after mm. way too many years and I gained 10 kilos in 10 weeks yep and Part of that, I think, was probably food and alcohol related, but a lot of it was hormonal. And it's like, well, how can I stop that? Mm. What can I do to make myself feel healthier and um, give myself a better chance at having a longer life with yep. a high quality of life? And one of those things that I realized needed to be cut back was alcohol. So so I now try to have no more than one bottle of wine a week. Mm-hmm. Some weeks I succeed, some weeks I have less, mm. some weeks I have a bit more. Depends on what's happening in the social calendar. Yeah, networking um, events would have a bit of a say in, in that to it, a degree. It, to an extent, but I tend to drive to most of them now. So if I drive, I don't drink. Yeah. Or I might have one drink if I'm not going to be back in the car for a good three or four or hours. all of them and risk it. Oh, no, 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 no. I had a friend who was killed by a drunk driver, so oh. I don't ever risk it. <laughs> It's not worth the risk. Mm. Um, but Sean will often pick me up. So if I'm going yep. to an event and I know that I want to have a few drinks, then I'll get the train or... Other transport methods. Other transportation yeah. and he'll pick me up if it's sort of, you know, nine, ten o'clock at night or later. Yep. If he's not coming with me. He doesn't really drink at all. Yeah. So it makes it a lot easier to not drink at home when I don't live with somebody who's constantly going to the fridge for a beer or a glass of wine. Yep. Mm. The, the pill is a crazy thing. Jesus Christ, is it ever? <laughs> the, the sheer nature of, and, and I understand yeah. why, um, but the sheer nature of, you know, taking hormones orally or, or for oh, another method oh, to control your period so that, you know, it might be a practical, I need to even it out. It might be we need to make mm. sure we don't have the babies. Um, and, and there's a yep. raft of other reasons. Yep. Um, well, coming off the pill must be chaos not just in the weight context i went on the pill when i was 19 Mm. and i came off it when i was 45 damn girl (laughs) and there were a few little periods in that time when i didn't take it Mm -hmm. for various reasons normally if i was single for a a while i didn't need it um and a few other you know not very exciting interesting reasons just thought i needed a break but if I knew then what I knew now about putting fake hormones in your body, there is absolutely no way I would have taken the pill or mm. any other form of hormonal birth control. I don't quite know what I would have done because I've never wanted to have children. And so yep. having an unplanned pregnancy was never high on my list of things that I needed to do. Sure. But the amount of damage it does to you is just insane. And I've got a good friend who's a naturopath who specialises in women's hormonal issues. And Mm. she said to me, I said to her one day, I'm thinking of coming off the pill. Can you, what can I do to make that a better process? Yeah. And she said, oh, how long have you been on it for? (laughs) We were out on a walk. And I said, since I was 19. And she went, what? (laughs) What were you thinking? I said, I had no idea. So she recommended a few natural supplements and Mm. herbal things for me. And my transition was quite smooth. That's good. Yeah, I was quite lucky. But 
it's uh, it's now it's been a year since I've been off it, mm-hmm. and um, I actually took a pregnancy test yesterday because it. I'm now in the perimenopausal phase. Happy anniversary. Thanks very much. I can still get pregnant mm. because, and I've got very fertile cousins. One of my cousins had a baby naturally yep. at 47 Great. and another at 45. And um, I, it's just, you know, I just thought, shit, I'm a month, haven't had a period in two, two and a half months. Could I be pregnant? Yes. Well, potentially, yes, I could be. Sure. I don't think I am, but what do you do? And I bought this bloody pregnancy test and thought, it's been a long time since I've had to buy one of these. <laughs> Be on a stick. <laughs> Probably when I was 19. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, it was just interesting thinking, <laughs> what would I do? Fortunately, I didn't have to think about that because it was it was one one line, only mm. one line, which was good. <laughs> yeah, it's two lines yeah. if you're on. One line is pregnant, not pregnant. So. Yeah, two lines That's is pregnant. That's how long ago I looked at one. I'm a dude, yeah. right? Yeah. The whole idea of hormones is just something that yeah. I have to, yeah. air quotes, deal with. Yeah. Um, well, men have hormonal problems as well. Sympathetically. They're just, oh, no, no, you have your own lot of hormonal issues, but they're not as They usually involve guns or and regulated. Orlando. Yeah, possibly. Mm. But they're just, um, they're just different. Yeah. You know, if you have a testosterone imbalance, you'll know about it. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. I, but it's just not as common. Yeah. Because with women, it's obvious because we have a 28-day cycle, you know, mm. on average that has major hormonal upheaval within that 28-day period. Yep. And then when your period and your ovulation stops and you go through menopause, well, mm. that can last for 10 years. So that's a whole lot of other issues that women need to deal with that yeah. that most women don't realise what's involved. I know I certainly didn't until recently. And, you know, the fact that it can last for 10 years just floored me when I found that out recently. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And just what is menopause? Well, I, It may explain my it, mum when I was a teenager. Oh, God, but, yeah. My mother went through menopause when I was going through puberty. Yeah. Life in that house was not fun for a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think of all of my friends now mm. who are having children in their late 30s and early 40s, which is the majority of them. Mm. And my mother was in her mid-30s when she had me. They will all be going through menopause when their children are teenagers. And yep. for those of them that have daughters, it's going to be a very fraught, you know, number of years. Mm. So, have, you know, batten down the hatches, women. I have absolutely no say in it. I have a nine-year-old daughter and a wife. <laughs> and I'm staring down both pretty much synchronised, I'm sure of it. <laughs> God help me, people, if I put a call out on Twitter to say that my son and I need somewhere to stay, it's because <laughs> we're leaving. Until they both get over it. Um, Chocolate helps. Well, look, trust me, I have the Cadbury truck turn up and just pour stuff into the garage. It, I'm not sure it's helping. Um, can, can I ask about um, the decision not to have kids? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. There's been, not heaps, but there's been bits of it start to pop up, hmm. particularly in mummy blogging, you know, modern media, where women are coming out and saying, oh, I'm choosing to not have kids and I'm comfortable with that and look fine from my perspective mm. great some people not so generous mm. um, was there anything like what prompted for you that I'm happy I don't need to have children oh from when I was a teenager I didn't ever really want to have children and mm. I didn't really ever want to get married either and um, it was just I a, know it, men right yeah yeah well partly but also I think um if I'd met the right person mm. who wanted to have children, 
it's a conversation I would have been happy to have and yep. I would have been open to having my mind changed, sure. shall we say. And, you know, when I met Sean, he was – I was how old was I when I met him? I was 34 when we met. Mm-hmm. And so the childbearing years were still an option. Yes. And on our first date, I said to him, do you want to have more children? Because he had a son. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, you can't ask me that question on a first date. That is an excellent first date question, Mel. Well played. And I said, well, actually, yes, I can because I don't know if I want any. Mm. And if you want to have one more, then if I said, if you want to have one more, then I'm certainly happy to continue and have the conversation. Sure. If you want to have three or four more, then I'm not the girl for you. And we may as well just have a lovely night and then say goodbye and not see each other again because I know that I don't want that many. And he looked a bit stunned but said oh, I don't really know and I don't think I do want any more so we wow. just continued on but uh, you know I was 34 yes. and he was 35 and I just thought if you do want more don't waste your time with me mm. and you know it's the same with my girlfriends who were in their 30s they should all be saying to the men that they meet do you want to have children and not waste their time with men who clearly don't Yeah, if, if they, if, want if they do yeah. yeah if they do it's uh, like I come from uh, a big family. My dad was one of, like I'm one of four, eldest of four. My dad was one of nine, eight, eight. I think he was about fourth or fifth. Yeah. Fourth, I think. Um, and his father was one of 11. Wow. Two boys, in fact. Only two boys wow. in that 11. Yeah, so it's mm. crazy, crazy. Um, so whether, I always talk about it like this, whether I wanted to or not, I was having kids. Yeah. Um, mm. but I did, uh, and there was the conversation with, uh, my lovely wife now, when we were going through similar kind of getting to know each other and do we want to want to, um, do we want to have kids? She was like, yes. How many? That was the next hurdle. Cause she said, um, two. And I said, I really like four. I'm, you know, I like big, you know, I'm into that big. It's big by these day standards. And she said, well, I'll have the first two, mm. um, which I can understand, you know, yeah. that's. Mind you, I still didn't get the second wife to have the other two. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. Um, I got fairly quickly told what I could do with that other wife. Should that happen, we're not in any kind of situation where that's acceptable. Um, yeah, it, it's such an emotive conversation for some people. Oh, it, it is. I get, you know, I made the decision mm. and I'm very confident in my decision that mm-hmm. I don't want children. And yet the number of people who say to me, who ask me if yes. I've had children and why haven't I, and I just think it's none of your business, um, and the number of people who judge me on that and the number of people who've said to me, don't you think that's quite selfish? Wow. And I've just looked at them and gone, what? I don't understand how not having children is selfish, but that's a whole other conversation. It's 2016. Go on other oh, days when we need to have one for you, one for her, oh, and one for the country. I know, I know, I know. I do jokingly say to my girlfriends who've had multiple children that I'll just take those two as part of my quota. Sure. But um, I just, and I, and I just think you need to be so careful these days when you ask a woman, does she have mm. children or is she planning to? Because I have got so many friends who are so desperate to be mothers and for yeah. various reasons yeah. are not. And it breaks their heart and it just, it's soul destroying to some of them. And some of them have had 
multiple goes of IVF. Oh, thousands some of, them, of dollars. Oh, yeah. Some of them have just not met the right person. Most yep. of them haven't met the right person. Some of them have not met the right person and have still tried IVF on their own and yep. it hasn't worked. Some of them have... Um, oh, a couple of my girlfriends were in long-term relationships with people who... And the time just was never right. Yep. And then when the woman decided it was, the man said, I actually really don't want children after all anymore. I'm happy with it how it is. And so they've had to make a decision. What do I do? Do mm. I stay or do I go? And do I try and find someone else? Do I accidentally get pregnant? Like, what yeah. do I do? And so I just think it's it's a question now that is just so fraught with emotion and risk in yeah. asking it. If you don't know the person you're asking it of really well, don't even ask it. Yep. And particularly don't say to a 50-year-old woman, why don't you have children? Because a lot of my 50-year-old female friends will just cry because they so badly wanted to have kids and just yeah. didn't meet the right person or the circumstance wasn't right. And Gosh. that's heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. And it's the same with men. I've got some male friends mm. who would love to be fathers and again, yeah. for whatever reason, of not of their choosing, yeah. they're not. Or people thinking, um, I want my twenties is for my career. My thirties is when I'll settle down and meet someone. Yeah. And then I'll have a child in my thirties. Well, you the likelihood of conceiving a child naturally, I think, when you're forty, is one percent, and it declines from when you're twenty-seven. Yep. So, my GP said to me, I remember years and years ago, he said to me, if you want to have a child make sure you have it by the age of 27 because it will become extremely oh. difficult for you to have one after that. And, you know, women in general, it's yeah. very, very difficult to conceive naturally after the age of 27. And so many, most women don't know that. This is so crazy. I know. Like... I know. Because there's every story in between too. You oh, hear yeah. about, oh, you know, yeah. couples that spend hundreds, of, well, not quite, but thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on IVF. Oh, yeah. Well, let me tell you, if I had wanted to have a child at 40... I can tell you the irony of me being on the pill from 19 and desperately not wanting to have children for those first 20 years would not have escaped me. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. So. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's enough going on with oh, people yeah. that through modern life or stuff, yeah. you know, that causes issues either with him or her. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's the fact that modern medicine has increased in its ability to diagnose and hopefully treat mm. but diagnose a lot of fertility issues yeah. also means that where before people were just we can't have kids now it's oh, i've got you know ectopic ovary mm. something something yeah. disease yeah. or everything like all of the things that it's wow the other challenge that research is showing is that because we now have so many more chemicals in our life. Mm. So the chemicals you put on your skin with your moisturizers, the chemicals you use in your hair with your shampoo, the perfumes we spray, the products we use to wash our clothes with, to wash our dishes with, the yep. food that we eat that has more chemicals involved in the production process, the growing process and yep. the packaging process. All of those chemicals have an impact on our hormones. And there's, you know, a lot of women who and men as well if you're trying and trying and trying to get pregnant but you can't, yes. there's a very good likelihood that you have a hormonal imbalance because of all of these chemicals. And there's this woman called Alex Stewart who runs this course called Lotox Life. Mm. And she started this passion about Lotox in 
the chemicals that we use every day because yes. she couldn't get pregnant. And she started doing some research and she realised that her early career working in um, cosmetics industry and yes. spraying perfumes and trying on creams probably all absorbed into her skin and gave her this massive hormonal imbalance that meant she couldn't naturally conceive a child. So she removed a lot of those from her use and then did have a child. But she's formed this, um, she does this online course and the number of women who say, I couldn't get pregnant and now I am, it's amazing. And the only thing they've done differently in their lives has been remove chemicals and products with Chem- with um, man-made produced chemicals. It's really, really interesting. Wow. It's really, really interesting. Mm. Is it is it horrible of me to say that, I, I, in part, I just want to not know? I think that it's important that you know because you have children. Yeah, but that's their problem now. No, it's not, because they don't make decisions around what... I don't make decisions. Yeah, but who does the washing? Who buys? Who does the grocery shopping? Who buys the food? Who... Grocery shopping fairy. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's important to know these mm. things because look at you know I'm, look at I'm young girls. Yes. Young girls are getting their periods younger and younger, mm. and they're develop- starting puberty younger and younger, and so are boys. Yep. And their voices are breaking. Men's voice, boys' voices are breaking younger, and they're becoming men. I know. They're, I know when they're young, and there's you know there's. Boys that are shaving at 13 and 14. And and that, I think, is partly because of the chemicals that are in the world that we are absorbing. I used to think that um, accelerated hormonal growth for boys particularly was due to um, surfboard wax. <laughs> because I went to school with some Neanderthals <laughs> that every every morning if there were decent sets at Kiwana, they were out. And, uh, they Did they would, use Dr. Zug's sex wax? Look, it's very possible. And in every way that people think they shouldn't have used it too. Um, they, these were guys, like I, I haven't been able to grow a beard to save myself. Um, I curse my blonde childhood. Uh, but these were guys that were shaving every bit of hair they had, mm. you know, at, in grade 11. They yeah. just looked at and went, how, how? Yeah. Like, I know uh, that you play rugby league and rugby union and all that sort of stuff, and you go surfing, and is it... Like, I, I postulated the theory that it was because they may not have been very academically inclined. Maybe. Mm-hmm. That it... Either that was hormonal, that that was the case, or that it was because they did all these other things that they weren't, and here they are now, because they do all the, the running around, it accelerated the fact that now they can grow goatees mm. in high school. Yeah. Kids. Yep. Just before we change subjects. Sure. Um, I read this book last year by a woman called Melanie Notkin, and it's called The Otherhood. Mm. And if you – I just want to say to your listeners, if you are a woman who wants to have kids or who's wanted to and feels it's passed you by, then yes. read this book because you will realise you are not alone. Mm. It is just the most beautifully written book about women by a woman who desperately wanted to be a mother and who didn't meet the right person and who hasn't got children as a consequence. Yep. And it's just fantastic. And it that's does, all I'm going to say. It, well, thank you. It, it does free you up yeah. as... Um, because this is the thing. People often misrepresent people that don't choose not to have mm. kids as children haters. And... My experience of you is that's anything but the case. Just because I don't have children of my own that came out of my body doesn't mean I don't have kids in my life. Yeah. And that's the same for most of my 
friends that don't have kids. You've got, I've got, you know, a niece and a nephew, and I've got loads of friends with kids. Yeah, and and, kids and that I you spend care time about. with all of them. Yeah, kids yeah. That you care about and all that Absolutely. sort of stuff. Absolutely, it's crazy. Mel, are you doing now? What year eleven is it, Melanie? Yeah, thought she would be doing. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. no. When I was in year eleven. I don't really know what I wanted to do in year 11, actually, but I know that when I was in years probably 7 to 10, I Mm. wanted to be a lawyer and I alternated between wanting to be a criminal lawyer and a family lawyer. I could see that. And I'm really grateful that I'm not either. (laughs) (laughs) And then in year 11, I think reality kicked in and I realised I wouldn't get the grades because a combination of not being disciplined enough mm. and you know, basically just being too lazy and no having too many and having too many to other interests yeah no one wants to study that much yeah and i realized i didn't want it badly enough mm. to forsake everything else that i had yeah. happening in my life to just knuckle down and read the books every day yeah yeah i hear that yeah so how how do you end up um being in comms then oh i um sort of fell into it when I finished high school I was accepted to do a science degree at Sydney Uni nice good and because I grew up in Gosford so um and I then I went traveling I went on a rotary exchange Mm -hmm. when I finished year 12 and realized to kill care no (laughs) (laughs) everyone at Central Coast is now going oh shut up Uh." I grew up about half an hour from kill care had never heard of it when I was living in Gosford as a kid are you serious never heard of it it was a little tiny town with nobody there yeah and too many people know about it now (laughs) (laughs) too too many people know about my special hiding place but go in I go in winter there's no Mm. one there it's great the street that we have a house on has um I reckon probably 80% holiday rentals. Yep. And so in winter, Torture. on a Wednesday, there's never anybody around. It's yep. fantastic. Just go and steal the television. Yeah, some, oh, don't even joke about that. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> because it has happened. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, Rotary exchange. Yeah, Rotary exchange. So I went to Canada, realised that science degree wasn't what I wanted to do, mm. came back and did a degree in, or enrolled in at ANU mm. to do economics and political science. Whoa, hang on, there's a gear change. I went to Canada <laughs> and realised that I wanted to move technically into another state. You know? Oh, well, I would have had to have commuted if I'd gone to uni in Sydney. Oh, true, because so there yeah, there's nothing, it wasn't even... Can't commute to Canberra from Gosford. No. There was nothing in Gosford then. There wasn't no. even a high school that went to year 12, a Catholic high school that went to year 12. Oh, right, okay. Went yep. to Sydney for school, for high school, commuted to Sydney for high school. Gosh. For two years and just thought, don't need to do that ever again. But still, Canada to decide I want to study Australian politics. Oh, well, that came a bit later. Economics was first. Okay. And then um, at the end of my first year of economics, I enrolled in a dual arts economics degree doing political science. You were the one that just said, I don't want to become a lawyer because it, it, it's, it's too much hard work. Yeah, but compared to a science degree, I did 10 hours of FaceTime a week. Gosh. Science degrees were 40. Yeah. Seriously, it was easy. It was cruisy. Yeah. Of course, I pretty much failed everything in my first <laughs> year and a half. So after two and a half years, mm. I decided that that wasn't the thing for me to be doing sure. because it was going to take me six years at the rate that I was going because <laughs> I was yep. failing all my main economic subjects. So I dropped out and went traveling and backpacked around the world for a year Great. and realized that traveling was something that I loved to mm. do. And I did a lot of it as a child with my family. So it just continued that love mm. and came back and enrolled at Canberra Uni and did a degree in tourism management 
And I think my parents were so relieved that I actually finished a degree. <laughs> they didn't actually care what it said on the piece of paper. <laughs> Mel, although, you finished something. <laughs> although my father did say to me, what are you going to do with that degree? Mm. Followed by, you've still got a few years to finish that economics degree because oh. I had 10. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> no, no. So on the 10th anniversary of starting it, when mm-hmm. um, I couldn't finish it because time had gone, mm. I just rang him up and said, I can't finish that economics degree now, Dad, because the time is up. Yeah. <laughs> Spewing, huh? Devastating. <laughs> 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 but I can understand what Ross Greenwood says when he reports the the finances on the news. Mm. And my knowledge of my general knowledge of the world economy is extremely high. Yes. Because I understand how it all works. Yep. And so that's quite handy. Handy. Uh, who are we blaming this week economically? Isn't it America and the fact that they're in mid election cycle and crisis over you know well, Trump com- possibly being the president? And- combination of that plus the Australian federal election. Yeah, that the whole economy some... just stops yeah. when we go into election mode. So it's a good thing that it's only an eight-week campaign and not only. a two-year campaign compared to the US. Yeah, but they, this is the thing. They always do that. I know they do. This eight yeah. weeks is killing us because it's eight weeks of intense and no one cares yeah. anymore. I know. We still have two weeks. No one cares. I know. Mind you, none of the campaigns have officially been launched oh, at time of recording. I read, I heard, I'm sure I heard this morning that something like 30% of voters are going to do a pre-poll. I, look, as someone who is going to be working yeah. for the AEC on the yeah. day and handing you your ballot paper and counting the votes yeah. after the fact, yeah. I hope everybody in my area <laughs> pre-polls because <laughs> I, I went online and saw the ballot paper, the Senate ballot paper for Queensland <laughs> and dear God. Well, it was a metre long last time. I think it's nearly that today, yeah. like this this year. Wow. I think the Victorian one goes up to AK as far as uh. numbering the parties. Um and someone, uh, in fact, Dave from Something Wonky, said he's already polled um, and he's in New South Wales. And New South Wales one said, it, he said it fits in the the voting little cubicle you go into, the little cardboard mm. thing, but it peels up on each side. Oh, great. <sighs> <sighs> you people don't understand what democracy costs us. They get paid shit wages to count your votes so that we can then determine who screws things up for the next four years. But at least we can have a democracy sausage while we're voting. True. And I, I have to say that... Don't get that in the US. No. And look, there's a whole bunch of issues around how the US do their physical, yeah, actual voting are. stuff. Um, if you're really lucky, and the polling booth that I'm going, or that I'm working at this year, last time I worked there, um, the PNF from the school um, ran a, a sausage sizzle. Top notch, too. Yeah. And they didn't just do the democracy sausage. They had, you know, democracy slices and cakes and all the rest of it. This is how smart they were. They came in and said, of all the people that were working, we'll take your order. Yeah. Smart. Oh, it was the best thing ever. Yeah. Smart. Oh. Smart. It's diabolical. Um, Mel, I am I'm intrigued about what you did do with your Australian, was it tourism marketing? Tourism, tourism management degree. Tourism management degree. Well, I travelled a lot. <laughs> and then I... Um, I was living in Vancouver working in a restaurant mm-hmm. in a job that I was particularly not very good at. What was his name? Oh, no, I nobody. Oh, actually, I kind of escaped. I went to flee. <laughs> right. Um, but I just wanted to live somewhere else, mm-hmm. get sure. away from Canberra. And you'd been to Canada before. World. Yeah, I've got a Canadian passport because yeah. I was born there. So well, I hello. work there, yeah. which is quite convenient. And um, I was just working and this couple who 
my dad knew were mm. coming to Canada and dad said, oh, you must go and visit Mel. She's working in Vancouver. She'll tell you what there is to see and do in Vancouver. Yep. So they came in and we met and within about half an hour, the husband says to me, Gail's looking for a new staff member. I think she should hire you. And she ran a conference, ma- a conference yes. management company. And so I just looked at her and said, that's ridiculous. And looked at him and said, that's ridiculous. And she said, actually, no, that's a really good idea. And I said, I've only just arrived. I'm not ready to go back to Australia. But six months later when I was, I rang mm. her up and said, I'm actually ready now. And so I worked for her, came home and worked for her for a few years. Great. And we actually became, we became quite good friends. And I just had a weekend with them in Tari last week. So, Wonderful. Yeah. So 20 years ago, that was when I started working for her with my real career that wasn't pulling beers in a pub or <laughs> <laughs> spilling drinks down some hapless patron or working in a department store. Mm. And so from that, I went and worked for um, a, a big multinational marketing agency running events yep. for a very well-known IT company. Mm-hmm. Um, almost had a nervous breakdown from the volume of work and the difficult people that mm-hmm. I had to deal with. And then in early 2000, I was living in Sydney and I was really unhappy and I thought, oh, life's too short. So I just up and quit my job and moved to Brisbane on a whim. <gasps> In early 2000. You left yeah. Sydney the year of the Olympics. Yeah, I know. It was probably not the best in hindsight for timing. But mental health. But you obviously felt health. I needed to do and that. And physical health. Yep. I was 30. And when I was oh, probably six months before I turned 30, I was just, I was really sick from stress. I had mm. chest pains all the time. That was yep. when I was drinking vast quantities of alcohol. I had the local takeaway on speed dial on my phone. And so I'd leave my office ring them and pick up a Thai takeaway at 8.30 at night on my way home, oh, yep. which I'd eat while drinking a bottle of wine. And go to bed. Do more work. Oh, go to bed at midnight, get up at 5.30 and go yep. back and be back in the office by 7. And um, Cray. and he said to me, if you don't make a life change, you'll, be, you'll have a stroke before you turn 30. And yep. I was 29 and I thought, man, that's no way to live. Mm. And I, so I sort of didn't really do much for a few months. And then I just had this big wave of, I don't even know what happened. My boss said to me after Christmas, how was your break? And the first words out of my mouth were, oh, I quit. And he said, what? And I said, what? <laughs> and he said, do you mean it? And I said, oh, well, I've said it. So yeah, I guess I do. On one level, I do. Mm. I don't know what I'm going to do, but yeah, I do. I mean it. And so I stayed there for another few weeks and found a replacement and yep. had a few commitments that I wanted to keep. And then I just packed up and moved to Queensland. And when I dro- the day that I drove over the border into Queensland, it was about probably four o'clock mm. on the 19th of March. Mm-hmm. And I remember that because I had went to a wedding in Gosford on the 17th of March and mm-hmm. I took, left the next day and took two days to get here. I just remember thinking, I'm com- I've come home. I had this wave of satisfaction or happiness or joy or contentment or all of the above. Vitamin D. Just all, yeah, it could have been, (laughs) (laughs) just sort of moved right through me. And I just thought, I'm home, which I'd barely ever even been to Queensland. It was just such a weird sensation. And I'm just so grateful that I'd made that decision to come here because I just have loved every minute. So then I got a job. As the marketing manager of the Brisbane Festival, which mm-hmm. is a big performing arts festival. Yes. Did that for a year and then I joined the public sector. 
um, worked in senior marketing and communication jobs there for about five years mm -hmm. and then had a gut full of working for government and yep. decided that I'd start my own business. So 10 years ago. And here we are. 10 years ago, next month. Gosh. I started consulting. Yeah. So that's how wow. I got into it. Kind I of just fell into it. Fell into it. Wow. I always have great admiration <laughs> for people who um, make a life either as a consultant or informing their own business, like yeah. small business with them, maybe someone else, but you know, doing, doing the thing back in yourself. Yeah. Cause that's always been my vulnerability is that I can talk a big game. I can have, um, and I can stand up in front of customers on behalf of company that I work for and espouse the greatness, mm -hmm. all of the things that, that are reasons why they should be doing business with our company, all that sort of stuff. Um, but as soon, if I had to stand up in front of them and espouse the greatness of me and why I should be doing anything for them, oh, I shrivel into the tiniest ball. Man, it's hard. It's one of the hardest things, particularly if you're, particularly living in a country like Australia, where our culture is to not brag about yourself mm -hmm. and to not speak highly of yourself because it's seen as bragging. Yeah, and yeah. tall poppy syndrome is rife. Oh, looms large. Yeah. I've had people you know, try and slam me down saying you're not as good as you think you are. And I've just got said, well, my clients think I'm great. So Screw I don't really need to yeah. because my clients love me. Yeah. And they wouldn't keep coming back and asking me to do more and more with them. Yeah, they keep paying the invoices I send them. Yeah. Yep. I've had a client for 10 years. The client, my first client still gives me work. And yep. he's, we've become good friends, obviously you do over that time. Sure. But you know, he didn't need, he doesn't need to hire me. He lives in Perth now. Yep. There's a lot of comms consultants over there that he could use, but yep. he rings me because he said, I like working with you. You know what we want. Yep. You give us um, great value yep. and I can rely on you to do what needs to be done by the time frame it needs to be done by. That's code for you should put up your prices, I think. Oh, he's given me so much work yeah. that I'm happy to give him You're a great living rate a life happily. And, because yeah. I know that's one body of work and a chunk of time, I don't need to go running for that work. Yep. And he knows that he gets a great rate because I tell him what I charge my other clients. Yep. And he knows that he's on a good deal. Yep. But he treats me really well. And great. I think that needs to be rewarded. Yeah. It's not all about the money. No. It's about working with people. For me, it's about working with people who I really like and who I trust yep. and who give me interesting things to do yep. and who are good people. I think my website says... What's the effect of, I don't work with dickheads. If mm. you are one, don't call me. Yep. Because life's too short as far as I'm concerned. There's a real, there's a real commonality mm. for me in, in what you're saying and what a couple of my friends who mm. are, one's oh, reasonably recently taken on, effectively doing that same thing, working for himself um, and, and someone else who's doing a similar kind of thing. Like they run their yeah. own, their own business of themselves. Mm. Um, and it's it's some of it's that backing yourself. Yeah. It's yeah. acknowledging that it's I, I get to choose who I work with. Yeah. You know, if I think I haven't that always been able to choose who oh, I work with. No, I acknowledge with. that. There's been times where I've needed money and I've just yeah. gone, "Yep, I've regretted it within about thirty seconds." Yeah, but the bills get paid. Sure. Yeah. What one of the this because I, I did ask uh, one of them about how do you deal with the difficult mm. customers? You know, in that you know, how do you avoid them? How do you avoid the difficult people? And they said to me that they can usually tell pretty early mm -hmm. uh, before the engagement starts that they're difficult. And all of a sudden my calendar gets really full. <laughs> if I, I have, um, oh God, I probably shouldn't say this publicly. 
I have no a I have a dickhead fee that mm. I slap on. Nice. So if I think someone's going to be difficult, it's an overhead. Or yeah, it is an overhead. Mm. Or if I think that there's going to just be drama, or if it's repeat business with somebody who, um, you know, with a lot of my clients, there's a lot of stakeholders involved, sure. and the client themselves might be absolutely fantastic, but, but they've got some stakeholders who yeah. are pains in the butt. Yeah. If a particular stakeholder who I've worked with and had a bad experience with is involved in a project, I'll just add 20% to yep. my quote. And if I don't get it, that's fine because I probably didn't want to work with that person anyway. You have to be pragmatic about these things. So, yes. Yeah. But it's funny, you know, the number one question I get asked is, how do I become a consultant? How do you do it? What do I need to do? I don't like my job. I'm thinking mm. about changing or... Um, with a lot of my female friends and colleagues, I've had a baby or I'm having a baby and I don't want to go yeah, back yeah. to my job full time. How do I become a consultant? So I'm writing a book yep. now about Good. how to become a consultant. Because it's more mm. than just, look, there's some business practicalities of how you need to, to protect yourself and protect your customers financially. Yep. Um, there's <laughs> the sheer issue of having to pay GST and managing that, which yep. can be a behemoth. Um, but there's, it's more than just putting up a shingle and going knocking on a door, isn't it? The biggest thing, and I did a little survey recently of current consultants and said, mm. what do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? Where and the money is. The three things that are the most common responses are that it's lonely mm. because you work at home. I work at home. I work sure. alone all day. At the moment, Sean's not working, so he's at home all day. And that's even more frustrating because... <laughs> yeah. You, I, I'm out of my routine because yeah. there's somebody else in the house. And even though I have a dedicated office, I want to spend time with him. Yep. And he's a distraction. So loneliness is hard. Um, how do you get the work mm. is a challenge for a lot of people who aren't confident or just don't have the network. Like yeah. I've got a great network and I'm not scared to use it. A yeah. lot of people don't like asking people to do things for them and you can't have that fear of asking if you work for yourself. Yep. Um, and the third thing is about money. How do you get your money? How do you pay your bills? How do you, you know, eke it out so that you have enough? Yep. Um, how do you, how much do you need when you start? You know, if you don't have at least three months salary as a buffer when you start, yeah. that's tough because you'll have bills to pay. Yeah. And depending on the type of consultancy you have, I mm. didn't have any expenses when I started apart from having to buy a mobile phone. That sure. was it. And then once I got some money, I bought a new computer. Yep. Because the one I had was crap. Um, but, but everybody... you started with a computer. I, yeah. I, had one, I had one. I had an old one, but it was enough to keep me going yeah, yeah. for the Could first six months until the some internet money and came do in. Things. Yeah. Now, 10 years ago, don't forget as well, yep. the internet was Dial not up. as it is now. <laughs> I don't think it was quite dial-up, but it wasn't far off. Yeah. Um, but now... Neil, something like 95% of homes in Australia have an internet connection. Mm. So that won't be an added expense because you'll already have it. Sure. Most homes in Australia have a computer. Yep. Most people have a mobile phone. Yep. So they're expenses that you probably won't have that I had when I started. Mm. But you still need to get those first clients. Yeah, if you're and just sitting there waiting for hard. the phone to call, yeah. that'll be very lonely, I'd imagine. I networked my ass off in the first six months. I did 10 to 15 coffees and networking Chats with people yep. every week Gosh. for six months and didn't get a lot of work out of it at the time. But? But that was from August to December. Mm. In January, the phone rang and it rang and it rang and it rang and it still rings 10 years later. 
Right. And people ring me and say, I heard you speak at an event three years ago and I was really wow. impressed and now I have an opportunity to give you some work. Gosh, Mel. It's funny how it, where, it, where it comes from. Yeah. I feel tired just hearing all of that. <laughs> you need to like people. Yeah, yeah I, and I hear if that. If you don't like people, then don't work for yourself. Yeah. Because you need to you need to be able to have a conversation with people and but more than talking about yourself, you need to be a good listener. Mm. Because the best consultants are good listeners. You can hear what your potential client needs mm-hmm. even when they don't actually know how to articulate that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this is a very timely conversation for me, but that's people will be Mm. increasingly aware of that. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Oh, I knew you'd ask me that. Yeah, everyone gets it. <laughs> There's two questions that everyone gets. Is that the second one or the first one? That's the second one. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to finish my book mm-hmm. on becoming a consultant. Um, I'd like to have that finished by the end of the year. Um, I've got a podcast that I've just started mm-hmm. in the last few weeks and I'd like to do a lot more with that. And... I'd like to, I don't know, I've got lots of little goals. Some of them yeah. sound a bit mercenary. I'd like to make a lot of money in the next year or so so that I can have a bit of a break the year after. Sure. Just top up the bank balance a bit. Yep. Um, my goal is 12 weeks holiday a year and I haven't gotten even close to that yet for this year. So yep. a bit more of a holiday. It's a very teacher approach. <laughs> but you see when don't you Don't write in if you're a teacher. When I know you, how it works. <laughs> when you work for yourself, mm. like I've... Managed. Well, yeah, I've managed week, not, twelve yeah. weeks of holiday once in ten years. I've been working for myself. Yeah. But I, you know, I take my laptop. So you'd never turn. Yeah. I never completely switch off. Yeah. I always take stuff and do stuff and check my email. But my yeah, that's my goal. Twelve weeks a year. Those nine week months. Those nine week years are brutal, aren't they? <laughs> 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 they can be. <laughs> Shut up. And that's twelve weeks away from Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> not. You know, holiday over Christmas yeah, yeah. at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do I want to do this year? I think my book's the big thing. Yeah. Mm. And get a few more clients who I really love. Sure. And just, yeah, just do more with my food blog and mm. do more in the public health space. And We've barely discussed yeah, any of yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Too. I'm sorry. I'll come back. <laughs> well, it, it, it just, yeah, it's a mark on the wall for another know. reason why we yeah. need to talk to Mel again. Yeah. Hey, I Mel. have a lot of things that I love doing. So. And trying, I think. What I would like to do is focus, find one or two things to focus on. Yep. Because I'm a very distracted by the next bright, shiny thing. Yep. And I do have so many areas of interest that I can't do any of them justice. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of shiny things to be interested yeah, in. Yeah, I know. I know. <sighs> hey, Mel. Yes, Steve. Thank you for the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things you've said are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having me. You say that great. now. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, very clearly, you are on the Twitter. Yes, I are am. Are there other social accounts that you want people to be aware of? I am over everything, mm-hmm. I think I should say. Um, I blog. I'm at melkettle.com. I'm at cooks-notebook.com. I podcast, mm-hmm. and the links are on both of my um, websites. I'm on Instagram at melkettle. I'm on Facebook at melkettlebiz. I'm on Snapchat. Everything's at Mel Kettle. If you just Google Mel Kettle, then can you explain? I take me about twelve pages. <laughs> how Snapchat works in um, thirty seconds? It's very non-intuitive, and it's complicated, and I can't describe it 
without using the app to show you in 30 seconds. Because like when it first came out, it was the app that people used mm. to send nude pictures because they vanished. They don't vanish anymore. Oh, even Be- better. Yeah, so you can save an, you can save a snap now. Yes. So, uh, but then it's be, it's it broadened much it's more much, than just yeah. So the target demographic of Snapchat is uh, not me. No, not you, and not me either. It's people between the ages of twelve and twenty-five, and if you're a brand or if you're a um, organization that has a target market of 12 to 25 year olds Mm -hmm. you really do need to be considering snapchat as a tool to use because they are all on it it's the fastest growing social media tool at the moment i went to a social media marketing conference in the u.s recently and everything that the main speakers spoke about facebook live video facebook live Mm -hmm. and live video and snapchat and if and they have very different purposes obviously but the key message was if you are working with or wanting to work with people between the ages of 12 and 25, then Snapchat needs to be a top priority for you to be looking at to see how you can incorporate that in your brand offering. I know. And if you've got kids of that age, then you need to know about it as a parent and what it does and what it could do and how it works. Just so you have a basic comprehension of what it is. You don't need to be on it, but you need to understand how it works. At that high level. You look confused and bemused. So I'll show you a quick lesson when we stop recording. To quote <laughs> one of the greatest films of our time, I'm getting too old for this shit. Well, there's research that says you stop learning new things when you turn, I think, 35 or 36. So, or, really? or you, you don't stop learning, but you lose the interest in continuing to learn new technologies mm. and things. What a time for me to be looking for a job. Yeah. You'll get there. I can tell you about how great consulting is a little bit more if you want. <laughs> do you have a newsletter I can subscribe to? I know yes, you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> this has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Mel Kettle is indeed human. Thanks. <laughs>